Ho, 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 everyone! Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing this week, Bill? Oh, I'm doing Right as Rain, Cheery Cheer. I got some red cheeks of cheer and a belly full of jelly. And I I uh, got reindeer, you know, uh, holiday cheer and charm and fun and all going around. Meanwhile, I'm out there stomping down poor grandmothers trying to get a good deal on a Blu-ray player because little Johnny needs one for Christmas and I'm in dad mode. Absolutely. So you better watch out, motherfuckers. <laughs> My son will see Showgirls in beautiful 1080p. It's the only way to watch Showgirls. Only way. It must be feel real weird not have people coming on you all the time. Mm-hmm. So other than that, I'm doing fine. Not a lot going on. Same old, same old stuff. I watched uh, Jobs. Starring Ashton Kutcher a couple days ago. How was that? Uh, hilarious. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed really hard. Uh, the no. clips you can find online don't do the film justice. Was it supposed to be a comedy, Bill? No. I mean, there's times where it feels like it's verging on self-parody. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's all serious. You better believe that Steve Jobs was a fucking terrible asshole. But you know what? The film's gonna you, the film's gonna make you. Th- gonna frame it and wants you to think that that's good he was a good great man that people just didn't understand his genius well because he just kind of seemed like a somewhat clever businessman and that's it almost as if (laughs) what's funny um around the same time there was also a film called i jobs Mm -hmm. where justin long plays steve jobs it was just funny because justin long played the mac computer in the mac pc ads of the time yeah Yeah. and that film is a a comedy (laughs) But this film, man, Jobs, I can't, I can't even begin. How many Steve Jobs movies are there now? There's three. There's the one with Michael Fassbender, the one with uh, Ashton Kutcher, and then the one with Justin Long. I feel like there shouldn't be as many Steve Jobs as (laughs) Spider-Mans. Maybe. In in a shorter time period. How Uh, many fucking reboots are we going to get of this? Jesus. It's true. Uh, The positive I will say about Jobs is uh, that Josh Gad plays uh, Wozniak. Okay. And he's good. He's really good as Wozniak. I mean, I believe that. And I think from the Steve Jobs film that Michael Fassbender was playing Steve Jobs, and I, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, Rogan was also very good as, as Wozniak. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, in general, just uh, the film's just laughably bad. It's, it's hammy overacting. I mean, it's you can almost place bets on how like predictable the soundtrack is going to be for like a biopic film of this type. Mm-hmm. And like when the big moments are going to happen, when... Oh, people, he was right, or, oh, here's the big moment where they released the Apple 2C, or the 2 or whatever. Oh, it's, it's just, oh, God. But, yeah, there's, just, there's, there's, there's some choice scenes on YouTube you can check out of just the the, the caliber of acting going that Ashton Kutcher's doing here. Mm-hmm. And stuff, that's just, oh, man, hilarious. That's good. Highly recommend, highly recommend it. Uh, how you doing this week, Steve? Uh, kind of the same boat, not much going on. Um... Just kind of finishing up uh, Christmas shopping and what have you. Got some more snacks and alcohol for my Christmas party this Saturday. I actually Great. forgot that it was happening this Saturday. Did you remember to order some cases of Crystal Pepsi off of Amazon? I actually went to do that, but they're sold out. Oh, they sell out again? Yes. No, last week I saw So instead, the... I just bought some Surge. You know what? That's Which fine. to me, I feel is a better. <laughs> I disagree, but... Sorry. Surge is my one of my favorite sodas. 
Oh, uh, man. I got. I still have like 36 bottles of Crystal Pepsi sitting in my... Uh, Holy shit. My, 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 uh, my closet. Well, fucking send me fucking four. Jesus. No, uh, no that's mine. <laughs> As my stash of Crystal Pepsi has to last me another 20 years. <laughs> Or as long as the, the Walgreens by my workplace still keeps putting it in their cooler. You pull it out, it still says expired on Oct- October 24th, but they're still putting it in there. Fuck it, who cares? It's soda, who cares? I don't care. As long as I can keep buying it, I'm happy. Hey, I, I'd rather drink the Crystal Pepsi that's two months past expiration than the one that's 20 years past expiration. And even the one that's 20 years past, past it's just going to taste a little, like, flat. Yes. I mean, there's there's this video going around for a while where this, like, YouTube guy was, like, drinking it and, like, pretend, like throwing up and everything. I was like, that's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I I uh, watched that guy's videos, but hey, he's the one that got us Crystal Pepsi back. So I'm not. No, gonna he's not. Pepsi. Brad Jones and many other people are the reason why Crystal nope, Pepsi. Only back. him. He took credit. He he posted the YouTube video. I did it. That's all the proof I need. Oh yeah, as if there weren't like you know thousands and thousands of people for the last twenty years petitioning and begging and pleading for Crystal Pepsi to come back. This one asshole piece of shit. You know, I've seen people drink, you know, 30-year-old whatever cans of uh, Billy beer and not have any trouble. And you're sitting here trying to tell me that fucking, oh, these Crystal Pepsi. I'll fuck off. Well, to be fair, and, well, kind of to be fair, whatever. uh, Like, that's usually part of him eating a bunch of other gross stuff, too, with Crystal Pepsi. It's never the Crystal Pepsi making him vomit. It's the fact that he's eating, like, eight other horrible things at the same time. Well, I hope he's enjoying his YouTube fame. What does it take to be famous nowadays? I'm just going to debase myself in front of a camera. Hey, you know what? It's a living. He's a Flintstones dinosaur. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> Insert canned laughter. Perfect. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, awesome. Tried to push uh, Carousel with another promotion. Uh, it's got shared a lot. A lot of people have seen the poster. No one buying the movie, but hey, you know, whatever. Have you uh, taken it to dis- any distribution people yet? You get, you get some Not dealers yet. out there? Not yet. There's one more horror film fest that I'm trying to get it into so that it gets a little bit of press before I start approaching distributors. That's fair. That's and fair, I, yeah. And, send it and out. I find out about that one in, like, March. Well, it did get released theatrically this year. Did you make sure to submit it for the Academy Awards for uh, for you know, for consideration? No, I didn't. That was my fault. Well, the voting's out now, and I was I was kind of concerned. I was looking at the list, not seeing Carousel on there. Yes, I I messed up. I dropped the ball. You did. So did last year. I, I wonder how much that would cost. I don't. I honestly, I have no idea about how all that works. <laughs> I'm sure it costs a lot. I mean, I don't. I don't know. It can't cost that much because like every studio submits every fucking movie they release through the year for consideration. Yeah, it doesn't but the matter. Are rich. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, Zoolander two is in, it was submitted for con- uh, consideration for like best original score. Oh, good. <laughs> it's just like anything and everything gets submitted. They'll send those screeners out to fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. P- please vote for our movie. <laughs> <laughs> vote for our movie, please. Every vote for a movie gets you a blowjob. What was so funny about last year's Academy Awards was um, so many movies that would normally be Academy Award nomination type stuff didn't come out until January of 2016. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get nominated for 2015 because every studio was thinking that Star Wars is going to destroy the entire cinematic landscape and they didn't, they had their films would have no chance. So there's so much stuff came out in January and February of this year that was really intended for you know, 2015. Some right. like films like uh, the Cohen film, the Cohen's film, uh, Hail Caesar and some other stuff like that. That seemed like films that, why didn't this come out in 20, 2015? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, because, because Star Wars. Exactly. 
And guess what? This week there's another Star Wars movie coming out. Fuck. And, that, and what gets me is, uh, I think next week Assassin's Creed comes out. Oh, okay, Assassin's Creed. What out. money do they hope to make? I don't. Oh, man, are they going to make like $20 million and that's it? Oh, to be fair, next week is Christmas. Christmas is a big day. Yeah, but people are going to go see Star Wars. Why see Star Wars when you can see Assassin's Creed? The problem is you're releasing you're releasing your film after Star Wars in a holiday season. Hey, Grandma, what do you want to go see? Uh, let's go watch the new Star Wars film. Okay. Grandma, Grandma, Grandma June doesn't know what the fuck Assassin's Creed is. No way, fucking Sonny! I want to see the fucking Brotherhood of Assassins, bitch! Not to mention the film not looking very good, but... I hope that the uh, movie has a 20-minute long sequence where he just has to follow people. Oh, man, it's just like the game. <laughs> Oh, and then he's hanging off the side of the building, and he tries to climb up, and instead he just jumps off and dies. And he clips through a wall. Clips through a wall. And then the screen and then comes he looks out telling you, you have to give Ubisoft $10 to keep playing the game. Yeah. And then when it loads back in, after you give out the $10, uh, Michael Fassbender uh, only has eyes and teeth. <laughs> and no face. Ubisoft is revolutionizing the theater-going experience. Every seat in the theater will have a little coin machine where you have to put quarters in throughout the film to keep it going. Yes. Well, I sadly, mean, it's optional. Sad- you could get to the end of the movie, but you're going to miss out on all the subplots. I was going to say, most audiences haven't seen the last 30 minutes of the film. <laughs> Can you be part of the 10%? Can you? <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude? To rescue the president's daughter. Uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> president's daughter, this is a terrible That's segue. a horrible segue. I love you, though. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm too well on it over here. Uh, Pacific Rim and Godzilla sequels have, get new titles. Okay, what are they? Okay, so Pacific Rim used to be Pacific Rim Maelstrom. Oh, that's an awesome title. Now it's Pacific Rim Uprising. That's dumb. And Godzilla 2 is now Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I'm okay with the Godzilla title, honestly. No, it's, it's King it's... of Monsters. Oh, no, it's King of the Monsters. No, they I'm left this... out the the. Oh, uh, everything I'm reading says it still as King of the Monsters. Mm. The thing I read said it was just King of Monsters. Well, oh, okay. So there is Godzilla. Okay, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Okay, I'm seeing it here, but this whoever wrote this article, uh, I guess, okay, whatever. Uh, let's talk about Pacific Rim's titling. Maelstrom seemed cool. Uprising is just like, you know, retribution Generic. and revolution. And it's... What are they it. uprising from? They already won. I mean, the, oh no, the, the aliens, aliens, the aliens are uprising. Oh, maybe the Jaegers are uprising. They're tired yeah. of human control, and now the Jaegers are terrorizing the you know cities. Oh fuck! These big, huge, intelligent machines are turning against us. What are we going to do? I know. Let's build bigger, stronger, more intelligent machines. Yeah, that's basically fuck my takeaway from the Matrix Three. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to fight these machines? Build bigger machines. Wait, guys. I think we need to think about this. Gundams. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I think that was just so clearly a fucking studio exec be like, uh, "Maelstrom is hard to pronounce, and no one knows what a maelstrom is." Yeah. So we need to change it to uprising. Rise this, fall that, uprising this. Just call it Pacific Rim Two. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you going to fucking... Pacific Rim, Age of Revenge of Resurrection of Dawn of War, or something. I don't care. Pacific Rim job. <laughs> Fine, let's do it. Pacific Rims, go the aliens route. Um, Speaking of the Godzilla sequel, want to place bets on how many kaiju we're going to see in Godzilla 2? 
Uh, okay, now are we gonna talk like like new versions of old kaiju or new yeah, kaiju? Oh, I didn't know if we called the Genos or whatever from Godzilla as kaiju or not. Uh, kaiju is just a Japanese word for giant monster. So. Okay, so you want to see how many how many different giant monsters we're gonna see in Godzilla too? Yeah. Um, not including Godzilla because I okay, think okay. that's a given. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess <laughs> at least one. I'm gonna guess two, but then it's gonna be revealed that it's three. Okay. Well, at uh, Comic Con they confirmed King Ghidorah, Rodan, and Mothra were in it. Okay, well, my, my short list was going to be Mothra, and my secret one was going to be King Ghidorah, because the idea is the film has Mothra and someone else, and then that second one turns out in the, the finale of the film, it's King Ghidorah. Because that's how every that. fucking Godzilla film works out to be. Yeah, seriously. Here's this weird monster from space. I'm gonna, oh, I destroyed guess it. Guess what? It's King Ghidorah. Whoops, King Ghidorah! Haha, I gotcha, Godzilla! Gotcha, bitch! You it's dumb me again. fuck. <laughs> it was me, Godzilla! It was me! All <laughs> along, Godzilla! Oh, son of a bitch! But, um, no, Rodan, Hey, yeah, hey Joe, what do you- Hey, it's Brian Cranston! Brian Cranston's back! Oh, Brian Cranston just fell down the stairs! He's King Ghidorah! God damn it! God damn it! Why do you keep doing to us, King Ghidorah? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you just like dressing up as other monsters? You could... I'm down for those options for sure. Uh... Is King Ghidorah like the first cosplaying kaiju? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> His cosplay is Desu Kawaii. <laughs> so Desu Kawaii. Now, can, now Godzilla 3. Can we start petitioning now to get uh, Jet Jaguar? Where the fuck is Jet Jaguar? I mean, I think that'll be in the uh, Godzilla Pacific Rim crossover. No, really, legitimately. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be hilarious if the only other time Jet Dragoire has shown up in the Gotten Godzilla series is in the, the third, American. American, third American film? That'd be fucking great. Oh, that'd be that'd be so great. Like that, like Jet Jaguar is the robot built by like the U.S. government or who or some like national government to fight Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, because Jet Jaguar is here to all the boys and girls. So I hope he gets back his theme song. Me too. Jet Jaguar. Jet, Jet Jaguar. <laughs> so good and he, and he still has to do the, the size upping and still have to grow huge and grow small again well yeah of course because in a series of giant monsters why the fuck do we are we like being constrained by actual science there's no reason to be nope. just fucking go nuts with it and get maser cannons and get all get man we gotta get we gotta get the whole like g4 shit going on <laughs> well not in the american movies because godzilla is a straight-up fucking superhero i know but he but but somebody doesn't like him. Comes out of the ocean and rips his... Are you saying that Godzilla is Superman in the Man of Steel universe? Yes. <laughs> and Coulter's coming on television saying, We just don't know who this Godzilla guy is. <laughs> He's impartial, is he but is he really? Is he loyal to us? We don't know. He needs we to be know. put under check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we got a G-Force initiative pushed through. In Trump's America, it will happen and it can happen. Donald Trump creates Mechagodzilla piloted by him oh that'd be great <laughs> can we have that can we have that please I, i'd be down for this <laughs> i'm uh, the president of the united states i don't know why that was nixon richard nixon oh my god <laughs> he's the, they use his brain for making godzilla dial m for millhouse <laughs> uh speaking of fantastic things going on we finally got it. We finally got the trailer for the eighth film in the <laughs> Fast and the Furious franchise. 
Fuck the new yeah. title is also with this trailer. The new eighth film is now called The Fate of the Furious. That is a good title. I love that title so much. It's ridiculous, just like this series. In the first 30 seconds of the trailer, there's a like wrecking ball getting released that is larger than the fucking moon falling down and just like destroying all these fucking cars. Mm-hmm. It was it was glorious. And in this trailer we find out that uh Vin Diesel betrayed his family. What? What? Dom? What are you doing, Dom? Oh my god. Dom, what are you doing? And then my the thing that I lost my shit at is Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham having to team up to take down, you know, Vin Diesel. Fuck yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I <laughs> mm, I'm so excited. <laughs> Now, the big thing at the end of that film, and in the eighth film, we have to have the big reveal. I for, I mean, I forget, because I haven't seen this, I haven't seen the seventh film in a bit, but uh, Jason Statham's brother, who was, you know, defeated in the seventh film, I, I really like to see him, like, show up at the end of the eighth film. Oh, yeah? Like, to be the tease for the ninth film. Okay. Like, the, the it's like uh, Sebastian Shaw, I think the character's name was. He's or, the I, fucking guy from X-Men? Yeah, sure. That's the guy. That's the name of the villain from X Men, right? I, I, uh, it may be, but I'm just, I'm thought, I'm pretty sure that was the name of uh, yeah, Statham's Sebastian bro- Shaw. He's the leader of um, the fucking those guys. Hellfire Club. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know let, the X Men that well. Let's, okay, well, we're gonna do some investigation. Let's find out right now, real quick. I just can't remember who the hell. Uh, Fast and Furious Seven. So many characters here uh, in this film. Okay, let's bring up the Wikipedia page. This is some great podcasting. Owen Shaw. Oh, Owen Shaw. Thank you. Okay, that's probably why I got the name mixed up there. Kevin okay. Bacon's in it. And Jason was Deckard Shaw. That's okay. There we go. Okay, there we go. Except uh, 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 Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw shows up in the ninth film. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Fucking just cross over these universes. Fox is desperate. I don't care. I don't care. I don't even care. So, but that'd be great if he shows back up. Because he, he was in a... In the hospital at the end of the uh, seventh film, and then to the uh... I don't know end of the se- yeah yeah put in the hospital in the beginning of the of the no sorry seventh film sixth film getting my my my, my movies mixed up here in the sixth film he was the villain because in Fury Seven that's when Statham shows up and now we're in Fate of the Furious which is the eighth film oh my god this film series is ludicrous I love it so much. I've seen a lot of people complaining that they're not in space yet, and I'm like, no, ninth film, they're in space. <laughs> That'd be they're going to drop a Dodge Charger from the fucking International Space Station. <laughs> Hit the NOS on the fucking shuttle. That's right. Gotta go faster. <laughs> Family. Family. Uh, so that's pretty rad. Uh, Charlize Theron is in this. Uh, the trailer's pretty good, but there's a weird, like, kiss scene thing. I didn't understand some trailers, I just don't understand why there's always an extra, like, two seconds of footage at the end. Mm-hmm. Never makes any sense to me. Yeah, a lot of trailers do that, and I don't know why. Don't know why either. Whatever. Sometimes it's fun, other times they kind of miss the mark. Speaking of trailers that miss the mark... Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, rickety-dickety-dock! <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. S- can suck a cock. <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming trailer dropped. Everyone loved it. I, I just had a big meh mediocre yeah that's really what i gave it yeah uh here's like i don't hate it i don't hate it but here's my issue with it is that everyone or 
everyone's losing their fucking minds over it and like jizzing and saying like, oh, finally, it's Spider-Man the way he should be. I'm just like, have you guys like not watched the past movies? Because the trailer is showing me nothing that the other Spider-Man movies didn't already do, except now Tony Stark's there. Except now there's two words above the title of the film, Marvel Studios. That's really all it fucking is. Like, I watched this trailer and again, I don't hate it. I'm not saying it looks terrible, but I'm just saying it looks okay. It looks like it just looks like a Spider-Man movie. It doesn't look cool and unique and interesting like I personally found Amazing Spider-Man 2 or even Amazing Spider-Man 1 to be. I feel like they're doing nothing different. And even Amazing Spider-Man 1 came up a little bit short in that aspect. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, oh, it's it's he's in high school again. Fucking yay. Um, Marvel really wants to keep him in high school forever, even though, in my opinion, his most interesting years are when he's in his 20s and 30s. He was at his least interesting when he was in high school. Even when I was a kid, I thought this. Um, so, you got him in high school again. Yeah, we've never done that before. And Oh, he's wearing a red and blue suit. Yep, that's what he does. Oh, and he's web swinging. Yeah, I don't see what's the fucking difference here. Why what is Iron everyone Man. saying... Seriously, that's it. Fucking Iron Man's in it. This is an Iron Man movie. Guest starring under Ruse. Like, the Spider-Man feels like a sidekick in his own trailer. Yeah. And he's also super good at keeping a secret identity, yet his buddy in high school finds out who he is. And like you said, this is totally Bill and I'm stealing it. It's just like that scene from fucking Green Lantern. Check my suit. Whoa, yeah! Crazy, right? Whoa! Whoa! The same scene. I saw that I'm like, oh, this is just like in Green Lantern? And then, hell, they're fucking aping the second Spider-Man. Okay, second Spider-Man movie. You have to have that big epic scene where he stops the subway car. This film, he's holding a boat together. The boat's still going to sink. What the fuck is holding it together going to do? Yeah, well, what what do you hope to accomplish here, Pete? This big epic shot of him holding the boat together. Ugh, I'm struggling. It's like the boat's still going to sink at the same rate. It's a split-in-half fucking boat. <laughs> You're doing nothing to help the situation. Everyone's still, the boat's still sinking. It's still sinking right now. Whoever wrote that scene, did, I don't... I, I mean, I, I'll wait to the final product to really fully pass judgment, but as it stands, it's, like, it's just like... What's so impressive about this? Yeah. Well, how is he going to save these people? Because that, that boat's fucked. Vulture and looks like another generic Marvel villain. Michael Keaton is being fucking wasted in this movie. He is I being tell, wasted. I can tell already. He's really I, just like Mads Mikkelsen and Doctor Strange. Yep. And Christopher Eccleston. The only yeah, exactly. the only nice part of the Vulture is he at least has the fur fluff, but otherwise, like, all the MCU villains, except for a couple, look generic as fuck. Mm-hmm. and Vulture looks generic as fuck. Like, as as off the fucking rails as Shocker does look, at least I'm glad that he looks off the fucking rails, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Vulture does not. He just he looks like a Tony Stark suit. I'm a dude with a jetpack. And even in the trailer, it's... If Tony Stark and Iron Man is here, how come they're not helping Peter defeat the Vulture? Yeah. We have people that uh, deal with this sort of thing. Great! Peter has no... Like, it, it takes away Spider-Man's isolation. Yeah, exactly. And like later in his life, he joined the Avengers and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but for much of his life, Peter very much like worked on the outside of the Marvel universe compared to the rest of the uh, MC characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie is like immediately. It feels like throwing it out the window. Yeah, everything has to be big and huge again. Which the thing about working with Spider-Man is the same thing kind of works with Batman, where Batman is working with all a lot of like low rent thugs. Who don't aren't don't necessarily have tons of superpowers, and Spider Man is the same way. Where you, like they have you know their meta powers and stuff like that, but still they're small time crooks. Yeah, they're all just still doing just looter, like dumb 
small things in New York City, and he's a, just the one guy that's going out and cleaning up their mess. Yeah. Meanwhile, over here in Hell's Kitchen, there's Daredevil, and over here, there's somebody else. Like, everyone has their own little things they're doing. But mm-hmm. they're making this one seem... In these films, even in now when there's this big universe, Spider-Man is still, like, the only one that can stop the Vulture. It's like, why? Why is he the only one? Why can't... Where's Luke Cage? Luke Cage not, cannot come on help. John Watts needs to go back to making cl- clown monster movies. <laughs> like, I don't... I just... Nothing about Homecoming looks appealing. It just... It really... like. And Tom Holland, I, I'm sure he's going to do all around a good job, at least give it with what he's given to work with. Mm-hmm. But every single time I see him to this, to this point... Um, and to be fair, that's based on 10 minutes of Civil War in a trailer. So this is a completely objective viewpoint, like, with all the facts and what have you. But every time I see him, I just feel like he's doing a lesser Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Like, he's just trying to trying to do an Andrew Garfield impersonation when he's Spider-Man. Which, on one hand, is fine, because that just means it's it's Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield already was Spider-Man, and he's just also being Spider-Man. So, of course, they're going to be similar. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just feels like a downgrade from Garfield. Yeah, I still don't like the suit. I still don't know why there are all these, like, tactical lines and stuff all over his legs and such. Yeah, those are weird. And also, the CG still doesn't look good. Not really, no. Like, the, and people say, well, the the filmmakers went out of their way to say that YouTube makes the CGI compression look worse. And I'm just like, fucking fix that. Because uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2's trailers didn't have that problem. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was a several-year-old film now. Yeah, like... Uh, Several years ago. Seriously, the CG, and like, maybe the, the CG is not final, don't get me wrong, the movie doesn't come out till fucking summer, I get that. But, the CG for Spider-Man in Civil War was worse than the CG for Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man 2. So yeah, I'm gonna be fucking pessimistic about this, because mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Like, it's going back to, uh, like, one of the biggest things that made the CG, and we're talking about this way too long, but I, I'm Spider-Man, so. This is CG talk. Um... But the the CG for Spider Man in um, Amazing Spider Man Two, it was so good because it went out of its way to make it realistic from a standpoint in ways that like other movies don't. Like they added folding to the suit, like when his arms move and open and close and stuff, mm-hmm. or when he's falling and you see like the ripples of the fabric because it's not perfectly absolutely skin tight all the time. Um, the the wind making the suit blow like just above the edge of his back where there's room and stuff like that. It's not, like, perfectly flat like it was in the Raimi movies or a video game. But this CG is going back to that, and that feels like an absolute regression. It yeah. makes him feel like a video game character as opposed to a guy in a suit. Well, no. When he puts a suit on, he becomes CGI Spider-Man. Yeah, clearly. And Check I don't... out my sweet, some sweet moves. And I don't get the, um practicality of the eyes still like they keep on getting bigger and smaller but they seem to just do that with spidey's emotions as opposed to like a practical thing and it makes no sense since it's technology i mean i'd be more okay if it was just eyes and they were just doing it like deadpool you know because at least they'd be like saying fuck it this is a cartoon i don't care but when Mm -hmm. they go out of their way to make it tech-based and there's no tech reason for it that's when it's losing me yeah i hear you well, let's move on to some happier stuff, Steve. Let's get rid of this homecoming. Speak. Let's just move on some better, greater things, and that is our holiday season spectacular. 
This is the third week. This is the final week of our holiday season spectacular as we move into wrapping up the the fantastic year that was 2016. Yes. The fantastic. This year is perfect. The best year ever you got Carousel. Um... Batman v Superman, yeah, absolutely. Suicide Squad, Hardcore Henry, Deadpool. I still need to. It's fine. See Hardcore Henry. I haven't seen that one yet. You should. You got. You got to catch up, Steve. We got our year-end review coming up next week. You got to see these films. Fuck. Okay, I have. Yeah, my, you might see it. It might be your favorite film you saw this year. I have to see eighty-seven films. I mean, you don't have to see that many, but I mean, there's still a couple of my list I want to try to check out. Still, I want to check out Neon Demon and. Um, hell or high water, and a couple things. Uh, Krampus, twenty fifteen, PG thirteen, one hour thirty eight minutes, directed by Michael Doherty. A boy who has a bad Christmas ends up accidentally summoning a festive demon to his family home. It wasn't really specifically him, but okay. I mean, it was him. He took his letter. He he's like. Fuck this family. They don't give a shit. He's Kevin McAllister. Him. Everyone treats him like shit. <laughs> yeah, and so he uh, he wishes his family would disappear. And then he wakes up the next day, and uh, two burglars are trying to break into his house. I made my family disappear. Just high-fiving Krampus. <laughs> yeah, so he tears up his letter and tosses it up into the heavens, and then all of a sudden a black death storm rolls into town. And because it's a little boy, everybody's dead. Yes. Perfect. Um, there's a lot of fucking Krampus movies. Uh, because, yes, there are. And, like, uh, the first couple or few just, like, coincidentally went into production at the same time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I can tell the difference. I can tell when it's an Asylum ripoff and just when a couple movies so happen to be starting production or re- just releasing at coincidentally the same time. Like, they made it and they were like, fuck, well, we can't release it till this one's releasing. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they also, there also were... Asylum fucking ripoffs as soon as the uh, legendary one came out. Uh, I'm looking at Walmart last night. There's already a uh, compl- there's already a movie called Krampus Two: He Returns, and it is not a sequel to any of the other Krampus movies. Yeah, <laughs> they just called it Krampus Two. In some hope- title. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah. you can't. It ain't fucking trademarked. No, it's just a, it's just a folklore character. You can do whatever you want with it. Which is fair. I dig that, yeah. but there were so many in the same year, it was insane. So actually, I couldn't find this movie digitally anywhere. Really? Yeah, uh, the only, I could, uh, when I found, I could only find this one on Amazon streaming, but it's not available to rent. Like, oh, I, really? I, I couldn't pay money to rent it, I could only buy it, or purchase a Cinemax, Cinemax subscription to watch it. Wow, that's ludicrous. So I had to go to Walmart and pick it up for ten bucks, which is fine because I like the movie. But it was just, it was just ludicrous to me. No, really, that is very strange, especially because now it's the Christmas season. You think they'd want to reprint it or make sure it's out in store shelves at Walmart places so people can? I know, picked up the last copy. Year. This episode almost didn't happen because I wasn't going to sign up for second fucking Cinemax. For this no, movie. I don't. I don't blame you. That's understandable. I picked it up on Black the Black Friday sale. It was there with a bunch of other stuff. I think it got it for like six bucks. Oh, nice. On Blu-ray, so I mean, it wasn't too much cheaper than what you paid. But uh, we got Krampus. Uh, so, Steve, this was on your favorite films of the year list last year. It was absolutely. So, so why don't you uh, lead this discussion as you know, usually we do, anyways? Why don't you let me know uh, what did you think about Krampus? Uh, I think, uh, and I will uh, preface this by saying, like. Uh, 
Upon a more objective rewatch of the film, it doesn't rank as high as it did for me last year. Mm -hmm. But I still find it overall to be a very enjoyable film. I still like it. I do not regret, like, at the time, saying it was in my top five last year. It just, it is definitely lowered in star rating for me, but it's still, to me, a really fantastic, enjoyable film. Overall. Yeah, although, overall, I'd although say with it's problems. Fine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know if I would give it, put it in the fantastic tier, but I would put it in that, it was okay tier. Like, I enjoyed it well enough. Like, I had some friends who didn't see it because, I guess, the marketing at the time really made it seem like way more of a dumb comedy film. Mm-hmm. Which I don't remember the trailers for it, admittedly, so I can't back that up. But I knew at the time, it's like, well, every, every some of the early trailers I saw didn't make it look like that. So maybe some later marketing made it seem like just a dumb comedy movie. And to which I can understand not wanting to see it. But going off of what you said, and now after 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 watching it, it's like, oh, no, it's not that at all. Yeah. It's not that at all. It's actually a pretty solid uh, horror film. But uh, without getting too much of negatives, it, it, there is an issue when it comes to its comedy parts. But we'll get to that here shortly. Yeah, we'll so get to let's, that. Let's, let's stick with the, the positives right now. Uh, now, the positives, my first major positive I have on the film overall is the use of practical effects. Yes. Aside from when they do use some poor CGI, which we'll get to with the negatives... When yes. they stick to the practicals, there's a lot of practicals, and they all are fant- amazingly designed. They look yes. awesome. Yes, and it would, especially when it comes to Krampus. Now, it was like, the exception of some scenes when Krampus is jumping from rooftops and things like that, when the character itself is being portrayed, it's pretty much always CGI. I'm mean, sorry, always practical, and there's very little CGI. You made a couple of enhancement bits here and there. Yeah, just but enhancements. Again, Using CGI to enhance practicals, which is what we always complain about what people should be doing. Yes. Uh, it's it, The design of Krampus is one of my favorites that was uh, has been done mm-hmm. in films. I think I like this I like this design of Krampus quite a lot. Yeah, he looks really cool. He absolutely does look like a shadow of St. Nicholas. Yeah, exactly. I love the, the horns were good. I loved uh, the chains, the bells, mm-hmm. the robe. Got the long hands, got the hooves. Like, it's just, especially in the scenes... Like, the early in the film when he first shows up and the, the, the sister is out in the snow going to her boyfriend's house, just seeing that big, like, bulking figure on top of the roof leaping around, it's very imposing and very, very terrifying. It's kind of, it, was, it reminded me of an it's, It Follows moment, where she just looks yeah. and there's this giant fucking monster on the roof already staring at her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, like, there ain't no build-up for this character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, you stepped true. outside, you're fucked! yeah. And then uh, there's still some practicals used for the different toys that were trying to kill people. Uh, Again, uh, CGI enhancements. I think all the toys were, except for the cookies, were all built practically, at least. Yes, they were. They were. There were some good practicals there. If, I'm sorry if I keep using CGI instead of practicals in this discussion. I'm like I'm switched off there. <laughs> Just come. If I'm saying something positive, it's probably about practicals. When I start saying things that are negative, it's probably about the CGI <laughs> creatures. <laughs> uh, but do, no, the, do you the have bear a was toy? good. A favorite toy? Uh, the Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box. Um, I'm torn between the Jack in the Box because I love the um, the actor hand movements, and that was clearly like a person with gloves doing all like the clapping and the happiness. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I also really like the uh, Angel Bird. Angel Bird was okay. It just didn't have as much. Uh, wasn't featured so prominently enough to. Be oh, really for sure. Cared. But I just like kind the of design. when it shows up, it's, all this is just like I'm here. Then it's just like flapping and like a tur- camera of Tourette's shaking all over the place. And... <laughs> It was just kind of, kind of like doesn't get a lot of focus. What I really liked about the uh, Jack in the Box was just I thought the design was really creepy. It is, and it worked pretty well in that regard. And then um, another major positive, like probably my actually I'd probably say my biggest positive of this film is the sound design. Mm-hmm. This film 
is incredible. Yes. <laughs> and it's sound design. Like you can hear the wind. The wind sounds amazing. Just like the bell, the, the bells and chains on Krampus's outfit. Like you feel like you're hearing every single one of those like crisp and clear. Like just every, everything was so put together greatly in this film. Yeah. And that, There's that a lot of attention to detail in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like a good, a great amount of attention to detail in those regards. But yeah, you know, I don't think a lot of films care that much about sound design. No. Nah. So, but and when you really do, when a film does care a lot and does pay a lot of attention to those details, it's it's a much better product. And that's definitely something that's noticeable and definitely stands out a lot in this film. Mm-hmm. I thought so, anyways. No, I completely agree. Yeah, Cause especially because you have to work in. I think with the sound, like especially with the the, the the blizzard that's there, like always making sure there's that sound of wind, always that sound of like all that stuff. I think it helps slight pattering on the windows from time to time. Exactly, I think it really helps build mood a lot in this film, especially because in their house there's no power; it's really dark, so it helps build tension and mood to where you are always being reminded that it is you know freezing outside. It's a life, it's there's a life or death element there to where if they have to leave this house or something, they're going to be really fucked. Mm-hmm. Not, not just because of all the creatures and demons outside of the snow and all these other things, but because you know that it's like so cold out there, like that you were even saying, like they're starting to get early signs of frostbite. After being, being out, out like there for like five minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they know there's a, there's a rush situation. It's just going to be, it's, it's life or death. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that they, you know, stay inside and that type of stuff. So I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, were there any uh, spe- other specific positives that you wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about so far? Um, I like the variety of all the additional monsters. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, like, especially, like, even in the trailers and stuff, and the promotions, and just with the title Krampus, you expect, like, oh, the monster's Krampus, that's it. But no, there's, like, fucking 15 toy designs. There's fucking mm-hmm. elves. Like, there, there's the uh, Graboids in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it, There's a lot of consistent change-ups. Which I think is fun and effective for keeping you on your on the edge of your seat, and not necessarily out of like pure horror, but there's never a moment of like getting comfortable with everything, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is an effective way to keep atmosphere up. Yeah, exactly, because um, there's always something new that might be coming around the corner. Like, oh, there's the, these fucking things are happening. Oh, but they dealt with that. Okay. Oh, now these fucking things are happening. Oh, but the fucking Antelorus actually shot them with the shotgun, and that was fucking awesome. I'm like, oh, great, now there's fucking elves. God damn it! Like, it's just a consistent uptick of more bullshit. Yes. <laughs> um, I think the characters are good and fun at being assholes, but it's at times to the point of being a straight-up caricature, which I believe is what they meant to do. The entire f- first act of the movie feels like a straight satire of traditional Christmas films. Yes. So I think that they really made everyone a- l- cartoon levels of asshole for a reason. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, because I do that a lot in my own movies. Uh, but when things get more serious, they don't always drop that enough, and I feel that can take away from the characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, actually caring about them in the moments when you're supposed to care about them. Um, but overall, I think that they were handled well, for what they were meant to be, at least in my opinion. No, I agree. It's, it's What I like about the film, in a way, is that the begin- like the first 30 minutes of the film is almost like a stereotypical, like, hallmark or, you know, just family, uh, maybe, I guess, like, a family, uh... It's like an R-rated Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly, where you do the general tropes of, oh, the, the relatives are coming to town, and, oh, they're terrible. They're so bad. How are we gonna put up with them? It, oh, it's Christmas. <laughs> and then, but then, no, then a demon shows up and starts killing everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun setup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
you almost wish that it's like a Tuckerdale versus Evil. You wish you didn't know the title of the movie was Krampus. Yeah. <laughs> you could just get thrown into the fucking movie. Like, oh, yeah. look at this. It's an R-rated Christmas comedy. Ha ha ha. And then you're just like, whoa, what? Fuck. Uh, I, maybe that might be what some of the marketing was trying to do, but then it's like, it's Krampus. I'm like, oh, well, what's a Krampus movie? Why are we seeing all this dumb family stuff? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I really like Adam Scott in the movie. I know, he's fine. I like Adam Scott in general. Um, yeah, he, he's a you know, fun, charismatic guy, dad, dad character. My wife never shuts up that we resemble each other as actors, because we have a lot of the same eyebrow movement, I guess. And I can see mm. that. You're uh, more handsome. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, she said, my wife says that I, Adam Scott, and David Tennant are like a Pokemon evolution chain, but she's not sure of the order. Huh. That's quite a, that's quite a statement. I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> okay, then. Um, but I like Adam Scott in this movie a lot. Uh, I think he's overall the most, that's a lot like the McAllisters. Only people who aren't assholes are the son and the father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, on, yeah. And this, the grandma's also cool. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, my favorite characters in the film were it was the grandmother and then uh, MJ Anthony as Max. Max and Max Grandma is a legitimately characters. great character, which is rare for kids in movies. Like, not horror movies, not Christmas movies, just movies as a period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max is great in this film. Um, another yeah. one of my big positives is uh, right before the ending, um, and I guess this is getting into spoiler territory, which all of our listeners understand how this fucking works, so I don't yeah. care. Um, <laughs> but... You know, everyone gets fucking killed or taken away or whatever, and then Max gets the fucking Krampus ornament or whatever the fuck it is. Jingle Bell. Yeah, the bell, yeah. Um, And then, like, I feel like a standard horror movie would cut to credits there. And instead, Max tracks Krampus down, and, like, him and all of his elves are about to leave, and they're done. They're like, oh, good, good, good job, boys. Another good Christmas. And Max is like, hey, dickwad, you fucking asshole! And he's, I, I just appreciate the concept of this child. Saw everyone get killed in front of him, and instead of being afraid like anyone else would, he's just so pissed off that he refuses to let this end. Yeah. And I like that. And I also love the, to me, genuine confusion at first from Krampus. Like, this has never happened before. I don't know. I you live, and you're just spitting in my face? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand this. I'm... How do I handle the situation? Gary, can you check the book? Check the rule uh, book. Okay, well, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a fly by my the seat of my pants right now. Uh, let's just throw them in the, the hell pit and just call it a day. <laughs> call it a day. Um, but I like that. I like that sequence. I like the just the complete lack of fear, unadulterated anger and rage at both himself and at this fucking monster for taking away everything. And that's that's something you don't you don't see a lot of the fight back in horror movies to that degree. It's mm-hmm. usually like a fight for survival and then get away. You, you rarely see characters taking on the monster head on like that. So it's always cool yeah. and refreshing to me. Yeah, definitely not in horror films. Like you might get that in obviously like suspense thrillers or or rape revenge films or something like that. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily in just a straight horror film. Right. And then uh, like in like uh, most horror films in of uh, recent years, uh, it just ends on a downer note. Yeah, it's kind of a it's that's kind of one of my negatives. Yeah, we can go ahead and transfer over to negatives here. It's I'm not one of those people that like feel that all movies have to have a happy ending, and no. I definitely appreciate the downer endings. Yes, but 
it's one of those things where, like, in, in this sort of film, because so much has happened, you kind of hope for some sort of at least, like, a not necessarily a happy ending where he actually gets his parents back, but a bittersweet ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like they went through a lot, and they actually learned their lessons, which kind of feels like the point of all of this. So, like, if you take it from, like, the good... Like, if this this is a Silent Hill game, let's say, and the the ending in the movie is the bad minus ending, and you never want the bad minus ending as the real ending. Yeah. Uh, you could have gotten the bad plus ending where uh, Krampus still throws Stevie into the fire pit and tells Max to fuck off, and I would have been good with that, because taking Max to hell as well, to me, destroys the mythology of Krampus built in the film, which is the entire point is that he fucks up someone that wished for something bad, but then lets them stay so that they understand what matters and they can share why it's important. When Mm -hmm. you take that person away too, then what the fuck was all this for? Aside from just the punishment. Yeah. Um, so that's why that doesn't work for me. Or you can get, like, the good minus ending where what Max... It, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street 1 ending where Max is right. And that's the alternate ending on the DVD. I don't know if you watched that on your Blu-ray. Yeah, I did. I did watch the alternate endings. I saw it. And I actually I, prefer I like, that to myself. I do. And what I liked about it was... Uh, it was basically the same ending as the theatrical one, except nobody notices the bell and nobody notices anything i still like now it seemed to me like it was a shot ending that wasn't finished Mm -hmm. because the camera pulls back through the wind the you know obviously the the opened window on the house and part of me thinks that it would still be the the same ending from the theatrical version where they're still in a a snow globe and krampus is like you know dorm of souls no i'm not so sure because um granny's emotion is completely different in the alternate ending it, mm-hmm. In the theatrical ending, when because they are in like the underworld uh, snow globe thing, uh, Granny when she sees the bell is like a somber knowingness, whereas in the alternate ending it's like a smirk knowingness. Like this happened, Max. Don't forget. That's fair. That's fair to, for that. It was it was the way that it the that Which is, alternate ending. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed fair, like yeah. it was incomplete. Yeah, I mean that is fair. You could be right, but that's I took it the other way. Yeah. Um, or the or the good plus ending. Uh, could have been Santa Claus showing him power bombing Krampus into the fucking hellhole. Goldberg Santa. That's Claus. what I said. <laughs> Just spears him. <laughs> fucking looks at Max with his tongue out. I'm not fucking Dracula. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was slightly disappointed at the lack of Santa Claus showing up to save the day, since magic is real in this universe. <laughs> Might as well. Um, but yeah, I, that. I don't know about your thoughts on the ending, but to me, like, again, like, with everything that went through, it doesn't line up with the mythology completely. It just, mm-hmm. it just felt off to me. It was, it was a bad ending that didn't feel right for this film. No, I agree. I agree with that regard because I, try, I mean, trust me, I like a downer ending as much as anybody, but when every fucking film in like the last 15 years feels it has to have a downer ending because, because we're so witty and we're so meta, uh, mm-hmm. it just kind of annoys me. I, I mean, I'm a fan. No, I'm, just saying, I'm a fan of downer endings. Lord knows, I, I have I have a lot of ideas for movies where downer endings myself. But even then, it's I just don't think every film has to have a downer ending, right? Like I feel, I think I think you agree. I think the film should have ended at, with him holding the the bell, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Or or, or, uh, like or, or, or have the alternate ending. Alternate ending is almost almost more creepy because you know everything that just happened, and like Max and oh and um um uh omi the, the grandmother mm-hmm. are just look at are the only ones that know it happened and everyone else is just like laughing it's almost creepier yeah i, I kind of prefer that at least that regard instead of oh no we're trapped our souls are trapped for eternity yeah, truly this is hell for we are the <laughs> <laughs> and 
Uh, then we get this big zoom out. What I hated about that ending was the fucking boo scare with all the toys. That was so stupid. I hated that. I hated that I too. Was, oh, I, I that even so, like as much as I liked the movie. Like even when that happened the first time I saw it, and again when I rewatched the film last night, I went, "Yeah, fucking course, go fuck yourself." I hate when movies do that. Yeah. so many so many horror movies do that, where it's a big quiet pan out, and then like a, a fucking bagul. It's just spoof. that it's that air horn sound. Yeah, it's that one last startle moment. Like, the film doesn't have any jump scares, really, and then it ends on a stupid jump scare. On a haunted house jump scare at that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I really hated that. Uh, other negatives I have on the film. Now, this is my big negative on the film as a whole. This film did not seem to know what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's tonal shifts between comedy, uh, sorry, horror comedy and horror were so breakneck at times it was rather uh, off-putting to me. Like, the horror elements, like, I'll go to the example when when, uh, the, when Krampus first shows up, and he's chasing after, the, after um, let's see, what was the sister's name? It was uh, Beth. When he's chasing after Beth, that's really spooky. It's well shot, and look, the colors are great because she's out in the snowstorm, and you have this big monstrosity of, you know, of Krampus leaping from rooftop to rooftop, and she's hiding underneath the, the, the delivery truck, and everything, and then there's the jack-in-the-box, all that stuff. That's great. That entire stuff is well shot. It has good pacing, good colors, good, good everything there. It's great horror. And then but there's other times, which this is, brings me to the gingerbread cookies, mm-hmm. which, first, the CG was terrible on those, and B, it felt two Goosebumps. Yes. Now, remember, we both like Goosebumps. I have nothing wrong with Goosebumps, but Goosebumps knows what it is. It's a very light... You know, uh, family horror, like Halloween film, where you, it's a little spooky, but it's not like trying to be a horror film. Mm-hmm. So that type of creatures, like the, the garden gnomes and goosebumps, that's kind of the equivalent here. They, they fit and are fine in goosebumps, but the gingerbread cookies in this, it's like you have this film where these toys are supposed to be scary and stuff, but then you have these really silly and not, not well, not good looking at all no, gingerbread the cookies. Real bad really bad yeah and like when the when the gingerbread cookie is first used in the film he's used as bait for a fat kid yeah i like and that that's great honestly like the kid bites his head the gingerbread man screams in terror and it's great it's hilarious it's hilarious mm-hmm. but still legitimate like a monster you know what i mean yeah um versus when he's fighting champ with a shotgun and there's three of them and it's just it's the most goosebumpies bullshit like don't get me wrong I laughed a couple times in that scene there's a moment when there's an explosion and it, one of the gingerbread men loses their leg and he's just screaming at his leg with his arms pointed at his missing leg and that one moment is it is really funny but I shouldn't be laughing that hard at this point of the film no because it's not trying to be a horror comedy film it seems like it's trying to be a PG-13 horror film but just the elements of the comedy like I mean, I don't mind some of the mixings of comedy. Like, I, th- I don't mind it, but there's just there's just too much, and it, it's, that's it's the too problem. Much there's it's... too much. To- I don't mind getting some comedy mixed in from time to time, but it hap- the yeah. shift is too quick. Like they're they are ruining the clutch of this of this truck. Yeah, going there, up and down way too much. Yeah, there's people and they're, they're on the attic getting attacked by these creatures. These creatures, which while well, yeah, that can be it can be funny in the sense that these are rather silly, like ridiculous toy designs attacking them. But there's actually a sense of terror. There's a sense of terror with also a little bit of self-awareness, and that's where the humor is. Like, the monsters are real, but you still have Adam Scott being like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Because there's more and more and more. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's funny because it's ridiculous, but it's still a real threat versus we're three cute gingerbread men 
Oh, I got eaten by a dog. Yeah, where David Kochner is in this kitchen shooting a shotgun. I've known these little like CG gingerbread men are shooting a fucking like nail gun at people. Like if the only time the gingerbread man was in the film was a the first time you see it when it's like stabbed into the fridge of a knife, mm-hmm. and then when it's used for bait, that's fine. But then they had to use it again and have three of them on and all that stuff. It's just like this is too much. It's the cutting in between the stuff in the attic and the stuff in the kitchen, and then there's other like. I liked the general design of the elves, but I thought the sound effects and like the way they kind of moved was too was also a little too silly. I could go either way on that. Just personally, a personal yeah. preference on that. That's fair. I, I I'm just I was I can see what you mean, but it didn't bother me. But I see what you and mean. And then there's there's just other silly things like how did the bulldog go up a fucking ventilation <sighs> shaft? Uh the bulldog powers. And like, why is the dog? Then the then the old fucking Jack and just falls to the roof anyways. It's like, what was the point of that? What scene? did the dog do at that point? Yeah, exactly. That made no sense. Like, and at no point was there a chance of the dog winning that fight. So I don't understand why they were all hopeful like it would work. Like, mm-hmm. it's a giant monster that swallowed a child whole. What's the dog gonna do? Yeah. Um. The, 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 the toys themselves also felt like a bit I didn't make Rachel maybe did laugh at this because we almost felt like oh we got our Demonic Toys sequel oh it totally felt like Demonic Toys <laughs> yeah this is like what Charles Band would make now if he had a budget <laughs> absolutely because um, you got the bear you got the jack in the box the only thing we didn't have is the fucking a farting fuck baby <laughs> you're right we didn't um another ne- so. I don't want to say well, I do have one legitimate absolute negative and then another that's kind of a negative, but not really because it's just more so like a confusing part to me or mm-hmm. something like I subjectively didn't like. Uh, which one do you want me to say first, the actual negative or the other? I'll go with the actual negative. We'll, we'll end the negative section on a bit of levity. Um, the actual negative is just the fact that it's a PG-13 horror film. And that's not yeah. exclusive to this film, but this film, a lot of the uh, deaths feel very light and unimportant because of the PG-13. Especially, like, when Beth dies in the opening, the truck just kind of shakes and that's it. There's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there, it, there's just a lot of lack of blood and gore where there should be blood and gore. Like, just imagine if Sam Raymond directed this film. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> that fat kid going up the chimney and the mom's grabbing his legs. Add just a geyser of blood spraying her from the yeah. chimney. <laughs> As the kid screams, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the lack of blood in the film. The only time you see blood is just on David Kochner's leg when he gets attacked by a graboid. That's all the blood you're seeing in this film. There, there is My head canon is there's... that they are just straight up graboids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, the lack of blood. And the, the hampering of the PG-13 rating was did hurt this film quite a lot in my opinion. Because again, lot. like I was trying to say, it, it, it's not exactly being Goosebumps, where it's a you know, PG Halloween film for the family, but it's still trying to have some horror elements like it wants to be a rated R film, but it's really, it's stuck in the PG-13 realm. And even, you can do quite, you can still do some stuff with PG-13. I feel like this film just wasted it on, like, saying fuck once and having some shits. Yeah, I'm not sure, like, because uh, Doherty is great. I mean, he did Trick or Treat, and he's done some other stuff that I really respect. Mm-hmm. Um, So I don't know, like, if this was the studio holding him back, or what. I don't know why it would. I don't know why the stu- why the studio would have would be holding this back because again, you're trying to release a horror film, and admittedly, I mean, even with Legendary Pictures, especially like nowadays, there's actually more horror films coming out that are rated R. Yeah. Now, some of the big ones like the Paranormal Activities and stuff. I don't know if those are rated R or not, but I mean, there's still a lot that are PG-13. But horror itself is actually coming back around as being rated R. So I don't know why this film couldn't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Um... Or at least, or even then. 
do this same old cop out thing of have the home video release be unrated. Like shoot it to be rated R and just edit it. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> you know, probably would have helped the movie a lot to me. Yeah, this. Yeah, this. I do agree. This film needed blood. Like if it had like the ludicrous amounts of blood in some scenes, it probably would help. Like level, like make more of a level between the horror and the horror comedy. Mm-hmm. That it would feel more like e- it would feel more like Evil Dead Two instead of exactly. Evil Dead sometimes and Goosebumps other times. Yeah, exactly. It would help lo- bring up the horror comedy a bit to be more in line with the horror aspects. Because like when you're trying to do horror comedy and you don't have blood, like blood is really. I I personally think blood is pretty important in horror comedy films. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you can do so much with it. You can have copious amounts of it and stuff. But when you when your film is too clean, it just feels really passive. And it doesn't really feel like you're getting the horror aspect. Mm-hmm. You're just getting, like, a, you know, kind of a lame, you know, tale. Uh, um, 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 are, are you afraid of the dark, eerie Indiana? Like, yeah. like, this is a fucking, this is kitty shit. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you need to have a little bite and edge to it. And this film is really lacking in that department. I mean, maybe that's why the tonal, the tonality between horror comedy and horror was really off in this film because the horror comedy parts never felt like there was anything going for it mm-hmm. to really make it feel like there was any gr- anything grounding it in this like terrible universe going on right now. Right. Again, people attacked and bitten by ba- these, this bear monster, yet there's not a drop of blood on anybody. They're just kind of dirty. Yeah, just kind of dirty. Yeah. So, and what was your uh, slightly, uh, slightly kind of negative thing? I don't understand the rules of this universe. <laughs> uh, like, at first... And I'm talking about, like, during my first viewing. Obviously, I knew what was coming in last night. But, like, mm-hmm. I, on, like first viewing, I expected them to be, like, in, like, an alternate, like, Silent Hill dimension. Where, like, yeah. if they try to leave their house, everyone's fucking gone. No one else exists anymore. And, like, they're just on another plane of existence right now. Yes. But, like, a fucking DHL driver shows up after Krampus has taken over this town. And he gets killed. Uh, assumingly, the the girl's boyfriend gets fucking murdered. Like, did Krampus, does Krampus just show up and kill everyone that's kind of around the asshole family? Like, what the fuck did the DHL driver do to insult the idea of Christmas? He didn't fucking do shit. He's doing his job. He delivered fucking packages. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't get... I don't get it! <laughs> yeah, same thing with the snowplow driver. And the, yeah, the snowplow driver, what the fuck? Like, he was taking gifts to his family. He clearly loves Christmas and clearly has the spirit and believes in everything. Why was he ripped out of his fucking uh, plow and killed? Yeah, I don't get the rules. Like, I, Where are they in the snow globe? Yeah, are they in the snow globe too or were they just horribly murdered? I don't... It's questions that I shouldn't be asking, you know? Yeah, it's a lot easier just to... Yeah, quickly, boom, at the end of the film. There's no one else around. They're trapped in this own like mirror universe where only stuff is happening to them and they're trapped in this hellhole trying to defend themselves. Right. Do that, that's fine. But having, like, because obviously they never leave. You don't know if they, all they see is just emptiness all around them. Yeah, they never get to the plan of just driving until they find people. Like, because based on this movie, apparently that would have worked. Yes. Like, apparently Krampus just took over this block or something, I don't know, and killed everyone around that had nothing to do with this at all. And that's yeah, so weird one, to me. One kid is having a bad time, writes a letter, and then Krampus kills everybody because of one kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, it's just, it just seems too silly. Yeah. Like, I can only understand Krampus ha- terrorizing this one house, but everything else, it's just like, what? what Why? So you, you killed an entire block. Not, you know, I guess not even an entire block, because like they, they made the usual joke where a lot of people are on vacation, mm-hmm. but it looks like there's a you know a good size radius around here that's all either under, like, two feet of snow with no power, no, you know, no anything, and then also being killed by Krampus. Yeah. 
it, like it's these poor people. Like uh, again, if we would have had the ending where Max actually does survive and make it out, it would have worked really well. If like the next day he sees the DHL driver and the snowplow guy, just to establish that they were just in a weird Stephen King Langlier bullshit world or something. <laughs> good old Langliers. Oh, the good old Langliers. Uh... <laughs> little girl. <laughs> Um, but that's, and like I said, that's not an outright negative, but I do feel like it's worthy of being mentioned. No, that's, that's true, because if, it, 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 I think that is a, uh, um, adequate negative when the, you, the rules of your universe are not working. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you're breaking your rules to, just to either, a to add a couple story, more kills. It, exactly. It's just kind of like, well, you're jeopardizing it. And it's, it, it, it's something that can easily take you out of a film. And you're just like, what, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something, it's something, it's something that's really easy to fix and to do right. But then it's just that little oversight, just our lack of discipline or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess, uh, some overall thoughts on Krampus as we get into our star ratings here. Um, earlier in the film, uh, the grandma says that hot chocolate fixes everything, so I was really hoping that that's how you defeat Krampus was throwing hot chocolate on him, like like some you, like you some good old like some good old miak, <laughs> Hungarian miak. <laughs> but you didn't think I could find any around here this time of year. <laughs> um, that's all. That was your first mistake. <laughs> uh, imagine the luck of that fucking grandmother too, like this horrible demon monster that's existed for thousands of years. And only shows up in the worst of situations, and she runs into him twice. That poor woman. Poor woman. Badass Omi. Badass Omi. Standing, cr- standing in the house, just standing up to Krampus. Um, like I said, there's scenes like that, right? This is a great scene in a horror film. Also, I, I feel that Krampus has some weird justifications for when he destroys people's lives and takes them to hell. Because in Omi's flashback, everyone in that town was a thousand times worse than, like, what this family's doing right now. Well, and yet this know. family somehow meets the same justification that, like, so much of the rest of the world doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, we hear stories about way worse people, well, not in the real world, but, like, in this universe, there were clearly way worse people than this family that were not visited by Krampus. So why this family? Yeah. I, it's just oh any Krampus. any horror movie with like those sorts of rules where they come back if you do this is just weird to me because I feel like that demon should be way busier and like the world should be aware of its presence at this point because of how much shit is in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Like how did that entire Black Friday shopping mall plaza in the opening, which is a great opening credit sequence in my opinion, uh, how did Krampus not just show up and go all right, motherfucker, just cracking his knuckles and just murder everyone? Yeah, exactly. And I think Rachel is mentioning, uh, I think, yeah, that's right. Uh, Krampus doesn't come in, Krampus only comes on the 5th of, De- of December. Yes. So why was he coming on Christmas? Yeah, clearly this is a slightly different take on the mythos. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of sentiments there. I mean, I don't, like, I, I think my final I mean, thoughts, definitely more uh, works in the movie than doesn't work for me, by a large margin, mm-hmm. but it's not without its faults. Exactly, and I, I I agree with all those sentiments. For me, it's not it's one of those cases where I, it's an okay movie. I don't regret the couple bucks I paid for it. I would recommend it to people who haven't seen it. It's it's in the in the realm of uh, Christmas horror films. Mm-hmm. This one, while it lacks a little teeth, is still something I, I think everyone should check out. Yeah, like I I didn't hate watching it. I I would I would recommend it for sure, and such like that. I mean, it's right up there with uh yeah I. I don't think it's out of place. If you've never seen it, I think it'd make an okay double feature with Gremlins. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that'd be well. good, yeah. You know, it got a lot of practical effect, monster creature effects, and I'd probably watch Krampus and then watch Gremlins, because Gremlins does the horror comedy. But way better. The stuff a lot, way, way better. Yeah, definitely agreed so. on that. So, uh, so, so final uh, star ratings on Krampus. Uh, personally, I give it a four out of five. Okay, for me, it's a three out of five. Mm-hmm. And that's We're fair. still in that okay realm, but it does have some faults, mm-hmm. so, as I just mentioned before. Now, we were, at the beginning of this uh, review of Krampus, and beginning of the film of Krampus, you're getting this whole crazy, wacky, you know, holiday, you know, stuff with the family. It's all nuts, and oh, look, oh, these, these, these parents and aunts and uncles, and that, oh, they don't get along. They don't get along at all. They can't, can't work. It can't work at all. So uh, we figured, what better film to pair with Krampus than one of the mega mega huge hits of the I mean, Christmas cousin, film pantheon? Cousin Eddie and family basically showed up at Krampus just with a shotgun. <laughs> That's true. David <laughs> Coker and Randy Quaid clearly are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, of course, as Steve kind of mentioned here, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 1989, also PG-13, one hour, 37 minutes, directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik. The Griswold family's plans for a big family Christmas, predictably, turn into a big disaster. That is a good <laughs> synopsis. It is. I don't know how. I don't know if it's that big of a disaster, but I mean, it ends up okay. But until it I mean, up... she put the turkey in too early, but I don't. Why are you know. crying? <laughs> There's the heart. <laughs> <laughs> now, clearly, we as going back to the first episode. This is one of Steve's all-time favorite films, so it only seems fair that I talk about it first and not let him speak at all about this film. That's fair, honestly. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, overall, obviously it's a classic. Obviously it's a film that everyone loves. A lot of people watch it every single year. It's even part of my local theater's flashback series where you know, Sundays and Sundays and Wednesdays they'll show a classic film. They're doing something for Christmas. This is one of them. Big, huge film. I, I like it. I like it well enough. Like It's not something I would say I love because similar to the other vacation films, it's one of those things where you remember the parts you love and the parts you don't remember are the stuff you didn't really care for okay because obviously the christmas vacation like family vacation like european vacation like vegas vacation it's just a lot of scenes and things happening to clark and his family Mm -hmm. and so if you'll you'll remember all the stuff that you did like like i just said like i like a lot of the different bits and pieces throughout the film but i would not say i like everything in the film okay so i would just say i enjoy it i really enjoy the film and I and I it's something I, I have no problem watching every year, but it's not something I would sit and go, you know, what? I love that movie. It's not like a Ernest Says Christmas to me. <laughs> That's fair. Um, where I could say, you know, what? I love this movie. I love everything it does and represents Christmas. It, it's, but I, I don't. I again, I don't know if it's the like because there's still a lot of bits and pieces that's trying to it's trying to maintain in the quote unquote like vacation universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vacation extended these, universe. Yeah. Yeah, we're always gonna have these 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 tropes happen in the films, things like that. But that's I don't know. I don't want. I I really am not. I know I'm sounding super negative on this film, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't mean. I don't feel that way. But it's just kind of my way of summing summing up my general thoughts on the film. I I can see what you mean for the other vacation movies, especially um, mm-hmm. all the other vacation movies: Vacation European, Vegas, uh, Christmas Vacation Two, Eddie's Hawaiian Vacation. <laughs> And the pantheon of great National Lampoon's films. <laughs> um, it, it is definitely a case where people remember their favorite bits, but they forget all the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that is not the case for Christmas Vacation. Again, that's for me. 
I can still see what you mean, but for me, I actually do like every part of this movie. Um, I do agree that it is in the same vein as the other vacations where it is just... There's not much of an overarching plot. It's just a sequence of events happening to Clark and his family over, like, these two weeks or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. But to me, it really works because uh, it makes more sense in this to me than it did in, like, the other vacation movies. Where, like, they're trying mm-hmm. to get to um, Wally World and, like, all this other crazy shit's happening. You know, this is Christmas vacation. This is just a family on vacation for two weeks. What's happening during that? Like, not everything has to be in sync with each other and have to line up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it works a lot better on Christmas, and that's why, like, ignoring the fact that it's one of my favorite movies, period, the, ignoring the fact that it's my favorite Christmas movie, like, compared to the other vacation movies, I think it's objectively a far better made movie, where a lot of, like, the pinpoints of the other vacations actually makes far more sense for this film than it does for those films. I will, I mean, I will agree with that. This is my favorite of the vacation films. I will agree with that mm-hmm. statement, you know. Um, so, uh... Like, I, again, like, I totally see what you mean with, like, the idea that it's just, like, oh, here's a scene, and then here's a scene, and then here's a scene. Oh, Clark's shopping. Oh, Clark's sled riding. Oh, Clark's putting up lights. So oh, this, mm-hmm. the uh, couple is in their weird space jogging suits. Um, <laughs> I love Todd and Margot. Um, After we shower. Of course. Um, but I think it, it works for this. Yeah, and I, it's not even that that's a negative necessarily, that's just what the film is, and so for me, there are several uh, vignettes throughout the film that I'm like, man, eh, this doesn't work for me, and then, and the problem is the ones that don't work to me, the, it seems like those are the ones that are, like, seem too long, and so the, and even with, because I'm not really into it, the pacing kind of throws the film off for me, mm-hmm. so we're like, the first half of the film are, are, are tons of the scenes I really do laugh at and enjoy, and the second half of the film is just a lot of things where I'm like, meh. Mm-hmm. Like the same, it's it's fine. I can watch. Like there's always be a couple lines here and there, or things that you know Chevy Chase does, or someone something that someone else does that makes me you know chuckle a bit. To where it's not terrible by any means. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not something that's really pulling me into the film as much mm-hmm. as with uh, with some of the other scenes. So let's let's uh, kind of shift into just talking about positives here. Let's talk about the the things we do like about the film and such like any sp- uh, see if you can lead off with maybe i know why you say you like everything but what are like some of the the top top favorite bits and and scenes of the film um well the biggest top for me is that during this season clark griswold is my spirit animal yes um he is absolutely what i sh- i do and struggle with every single year of always trying to have this awesome christmas except instead of a family it's like getting 20 of my friends to come over to the house just for a party as opposed to like staying but Whenever I watch this movie with my wife, I just remind her, like, hey, just to let you know, you know, when we have kids, this is our future. I'm going to invite all of our parents to our home to stay with us for a big family Christmas. And I'm going to put 25,000 twinkle lights on our goddamn house. The lights aren't twinkling. I know, Art. Thanks for noticing. Um, <laughs> I love how quotable the movie is, as I feel like we have already done several times during this podcast. Yes, very much so. Um, which can be a positive or a negative, but for me, at least with this film, it's definitely a positive. I mm-hmm. feel like, and, like, and little lines that don't matter, like that right there. That's not a big punchline. That's that's not like a spotlight joke. It's an offline, but it's it's still like at the forefront of our brains just now because we're talking about the movie. Exactly. Now, this is one of those cases where. It's one of those comedies where it's a lot of quick lines, that's which you get a lot in Chevy Chase films in general, and, you know, and that type of thing. And it's great because it helps with rewatching. It's like this, like this is a film I can say I can watch every year for Christmas and not have a problem with it. Unlike Scrooge, where it's something you can only you can only really appreciate every other year. But with Christmas Vacation, there's so many quick lines here and there that aren't 
necessarily something to be focused on. So when you rewatch it, you catch it like, uh huh, you laugh, you laugh. It's just like, it's disposable, but not bad. It's disposable in which case you can, you can keep digesting it every, you know, every year mm-hmm. and it's still fresh and new because it isn't the, you know, the big line that everyone remembers. Ah ha ha. Like obviously the big, this, the scene where Clark gets pissed and does the big line, you know, speech about his boss. That's something everyone remembers. But little things like when Eddie shows up, when he gets lights going, he, Clark is going, Eddie? Eddie? He, he just keeps saying, Eddie? That's all he can say for like 45 straight seconds. Exactly. Um, you know, and this, there's a lot this of other, like th- Little throwaway lines. Yeah. yeah. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? <laughs> um, I, I also like how much Russ is just so tired of his dad's bullshit. Like, the yeah, entire family feels so real. I want to get into mm-hmm. that, because especially because, like, um, uh, John Hughes and um, Jeremiah and even like the producer Tom Jacobson, uh, they all basically sat down. And they wanted to make like a Christmas movie, a Christmas family movie, and they just decided to also make it a vacation movie, so they could use those characters. But like they really wanted to make it feel like a real family and real people. So mm-hmm. Clark is to the level of insanity as he usually is, but he never feels like a cartoon character. Russ absolutely feels like a kid that's dealing with Clark Griswold his entire life. Uh, all the way down to subtle little cues of just dropping the fucking reindeer on the ground, not care- giving a shit. Cause he just, Where do you want these at, Dad? Right there, Russ. Drop. Just drop him. <laughs> <laughs> just he wasted his entire fucking day off on his Christmas vacation to do this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter okay. being annoyed, having to share a bed with her brother. And no one's an asshole in the movie. Like the no, 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 really. the biggest no. dick is Arch, and that's only because he clearly doesn't like the guy his daughter married, and that's it. Yeah, it's very very common trope of just the you know father of the bride that doesn't hates the you know girl. But even like her um Aud- um Audrey's mother, mm-hmm. um, who also doesn't like Clark, is going out of her way to not dislike Clark, which I think is a nice subtle touch. Like yeah. when Art talks shit about Clark in front of Clark's kid, she hits him. Like, stop. Don't say that. And mm-hmm. I like that, you know? It's it's not just this caricature, archaic, oh, they're the evil in-law type deals. Like, no, they're people too. Just Art doesn't like Clark. And that's it. And yeah. the entire sequence of them all showing up at the house, it's like 30 seconds, which is the perfect representation of Christmas gatherings of families. Of just chaos and yelling and 18 conversations happening at once. It's just, it's a beautiful way to introduce those characters and to show what this is like at the holidays. Yeah, where everyone's just bumping in, they're all giving conversations, talking to each other quickly. I like this. I like the, yeah, I do enjoy all the different cutaways. Like, you're not even catching what everyone's saying, because it's not important. It's the the joke of the scene is just the the, the frantic, rapid nature of everybody just in the, the foyer there. Mm-hmm. I'll be outside for the you season. Know. Yeah, exactly. That line, yeah, I <laughs> That one, I did write that one down. That one made me laugh. <laughs> um, that was another one of those like really quick lines that you kind of forget about, but you know, after like you know, a week of after watching the film, but next time you watch it, you laugh at it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Again, I like Todd and Margot. <laughs> um, again, they don't seem like just straight up basic generic comedy movie asshole neighbors. They just hate Clark, and I can understand why. They kind of do. It kind of plays that 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 um trope of like in the late 80s early 90s like the yuppie city folk. Oh, they're definitely yuppie city folk. They, they everyone else in this area that Clark lives in clearly look like people that live in the suburbs. They look like people that lived in the city then moved out to the suburbs. Yeah, and they can't take the suburb life. No, they can't take like this weird dude. <laughs> Why don't you bend over and I'll show you. Are, you, you have some nerve saying that to me. me. I wasn't talking to you. Oh, and then just silence for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> 
So good. Because <laughs> even clearly Clark hates these fucking asses. Oh, yes. You can tell they're the type of people it's, you know, just being uppity pricks. Like, oh, you're decreasing our property value. <laughs> By putting the lights up. Oh, to be fair, he did destroy the stereo system. Why is the floor wet? I don't know, Margot. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite parts of the film is just the whole him putting the lights on and then everything not working. Mm-hmm. And then he checks them all. And then that his freak out when they work and then they go off again. And he's he fucking he's punching Santa he karate Claus. karate chops the reindeer. He's crying, <laughs> having this flipping out. I, that, that freak out is one of my favorites. It's so good. And, and like all films. All films, like... I don't know, just like a dad freak out. It's just him just shaking the fucking extension cords. Like, what, what is this? Like, he's, I like he's, that. He's I like that freak out way more sack of monkey shit that he is. Oh, totally. I like that entire bit way more than I do the, the yeah, exactly. Uh, I totally agree with that. Him just like kicking the fucking reindeer, just beating the shit out of it's them. It's just pure rage. He, it's just. Because <laughs> the scene is so funny because he has her go outside. He's like, well, I can't get the house to work, but at least I'll do the Little you know, reindeer. Merry Christmas sign in the reindeer and Santa. Then he hooks up, doesn't work either. It's like that's. I think that's something people miss. Like people obviously get the the whole bit of how the light, the house isn't lighting up, but then Clark tries to do something really small, just, just yeah, something, just you know, small, just, just something you know, at least about this, and it doesn't work either. And he's just like, what? and then he has it, and then it's taken away again. Yes, and also the fire hazard in the fucking laundry room. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! <laughs> the, the 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 fucking you know, Mount Doom of fucking, like, extension cord plugs all <laughs> on top of each other. All powered by this one fucking light switch in the garage. So good. <laughs> and just the whole, him, like, just, like, going to click the cords together. And, uh, I love it. That, that stuff is so funny to me. It's amazing. Oh. And then my other, uh, probably, off the top of my head, my other second favorite joke of the film is the bobsled scene. Oh, yeah. He sprays that, you know, uh, coating on it and just like and did anyone ever put it on a sled before dad nothing to know of and just Russ it's just a cutaway of Russ going like yep okay <laughs> <laughs> just the rev up and no oh, puts it up rev up and then like a fucking cannon <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's an insane so level hard. of physical comedy that like you don't expect in this movie no uh, it's probably the only major like physical comedy part but it's amazing <laughs> yeah uh, um and we can't not mention Cousin Eddie. Randy, yeah. Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie in this film is... This is peak Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie was fucking wasted in the first Vacation movie. The, oh, yeah, because he wasn't meant to be anything besides, like, the... The weird you know, cousin. The creepy wife's brother. Yeah, like, this is, you know, here, wife's brother and he's weird. Here, there's a there's heart to Eddie now. Okay, yeah, he's a cousin, not a brother, I'm yeah. saying. Sure. <laughs> um, cousin-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, there's so many, again, good bits with Cousin Eddie in this. Um, all the lines when he shows up, just destroying that fucking fan by touching it. <laughs> oh, yeah. that That's one thing that cracks me up so bad. It's a, vis- a good filmmaking clue. It's like Eddie is just a uh, walking natural disaster. He's in Clark's room, living room, doing, looking at stuff, and there's this little wind fan. He just taps it and it just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clark's already trying to fix it. And it just keeps falling apart. Oh my and god. And that goddamn just... dicky that he's wearing during that scene is amazing to me. I laugh as soon as I see him. That big, that powder blue, like, leisure oh, suit he's leisure also wearing. Is so good. This is great. Yeah. Uh. Um, my favorite Eddie bit is him having the Christmas list ready. Yeah. It's so yeah. fucking, like, 
Like, you you know how much Eddie is, like, he means well, but he's also a piece of shit. And that's the scene that kind of establishes that he's a piece of shit. Uh-huh. And the rest of the film establishes that he means well. <laughs> but it's good to have both of those. You can't just go one way or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> um, any other Eddie bits for you? Well, I mean, with the with that whole bit, what made me laugh is that you can almost see that he goats his kids and to play like these kids are clearly smart and know that uh, Clark is a sucker, mm-hmm. so they're all they're all playing him like a fucking fiddle. Him, him, and Bev- Beverly are all being played. And Shit and rocks, just, you know. <laughs> Shit and bricks. Don't say it. Don't use that word. Shit and rocks. Thank you. The quiet yeah. thank you from Clark is what sells that joke to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna fight yeah. this. <laughs> but it's almost clear, like they almost seem like they all chorus together to get like to con them into paying for all these Christmas presents. Or oh, for sure. But yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of a subtle kind of thing. That was pretty funny. Um, Uncle Lewis and um, <laughs> uh, what's the Aunt Bethany? Yes. Jesus Christ! It's late addition characters for little reason, in my opinion, but I am so glad they showed up. Everyone has relatives like this at some point in their life. Uh, beautiful. Like, I can't... Uh, how... How adorable and also, like, bittersweet sad it is of Aunt Bethany's, like, dementia and uh, unable to hear and stuff, but also how just purely angry Uncle Lewis is at dealing with it every day. <laughs> like he's not even hiding it or trying to be supportive anymore. He's just so mad the whole time. Mm-hmm. This is a period also too where William Hickey was showing up in a lot of like a lot of films. Yeah, it's awesome. He's in My Blue Heaven. He's in this. Uh, he obviously voices one of the characters in um, Nightmare for Christmas. I was actually I was pretty um, sorry. This is some. Yeah, I played Andre Toulon. You know, mm-hmm. um, I appreciated that they de-aged both William Hickey and. Um, uh, Diane Ladd, Clark's mother, for, like, the uh, 1955 Christmas stuff. It's a very yeah. subtle thing that, like, if you don't really pay attention, you may not notice, but I appreciate that sort of continuity. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, thankfully to him, it's like there's a, it's kind of shot in a grainy film. All he do is, you know, blacken his hair up and, mm-hmm. you know, look fine. Yeah. Surely he really ever looked the same, so. So, there, hey, Andre, Andre Toulon showing up again in, in the movie films universe. <laughs> Where's that Chinese doll at? It wasn't in the. It wasn't film. in Christmas Vacation either. It, it's lost in the attic. God damn it! <laughs> like it's up there. It's like Happy Mother's Day, nineteen eighty-three yeah. or something. It's a terrible hiding place, Clark. Why would you do this? Yeah, what got me about that the attic door is that he's sitting on top of it. So pulling it down opens it, but it's just, I never. That, I know that's the joke, but it's always so funny. How does that work? Yeah. Well, in the same sense, like as soon as he punches a hole through his fucking ceiling. He could just sit down on the bed and worm his way out. Yeah. If he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, you know, for the for the sake of the joke and stuff, like, I look past that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fair to nitpick it, but in the overall aspect of the film, it doesn't bother me. No, totally. And him just putting his hands down to get some warmth. Yeah. <laughs> destroying the drywall ceiling. Scenes that really never did it for oh, me. Oh, one, one uh, last thing that I just want to oh, mention. Go ahead, go ahead. Again, it's like a subtle thing that doesn't matter, but I appreciate that it's there. Is that um, mm-hmm. Mrs. Shirley, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, first of all, Brian Doyle Murray, I always talk about how I love seeing him show up in movies as a character. character yeah. actor. He's great in this. Never remembers Clark's name. Fantastic ongoing gag. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, kiss his ass. Kiss, your, uh, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, yeah. kiss your <laughs> ass. Happy Hanukkah. Um, but uh, his wife keeps on, is like built up to be this like super rich prissy bitch. 
Like, you mm. assumed, like, she just cares about money. She's wearing this fucking, like, $80,000 mink coat to ride in this police cruiser to go to this kidnapper's house to pick up her husband. Um, mm. And as soon as he says, I cut the Christmas bonuses, she is the first to say, Are you fucking kidding me, Frank? What a, what a lousy way to save a And block. I just like that. And I like the idea that, like, even... Like, everyone except for Frank Shirley thought this was a bad idea, including his wife, who you would assume might have been the one to, like, egg him on or something to save money. But nope. I just appreciate that even she's like, fuck you, Frank. That's all. I just want to mention that. It's a subtle thing. doesn't matter, but I liked it. Gotcha. Uh, a couple of scenes... I, I never really cared for the squirrel scene. Mm-hmm. It was obviously a punchline joke as to where he goes out to his fucking front lawn and gets a new tree. Right. After Uncle Lewis destroys his tree. My tree! <laughs> What'd you do to my tree? It's an ugly tree anyway. That's a nice tree, Clark. Oh, thanks. I dug it out of the ground myself. <laughs> um, I, I'm not freaking out. You know, we needed a tree. There's no lots open on Christmas Eve. Lewis burnt down mine, yeah. so got a new one. And then I... I get it. Cause this is where I felt like the trope part, because there's always going to be a scene where Clark is clearly pining over attractive women, but the lingerie scene at the mall, I never really... It goes on too long for me. Okay. I, it was only so much like a handle Chevy Chase, like, stumbling over words and trying to like, say boobs or something instead of something mm-hmm. else. So it's just like, eh. This felt pointless. Eh. Never did it for me. That I didn't mind too much. But I, yeah. I remember seeing my father do similar things, so... I don't have those uh, those memories or anything like that ever happening. So I guess I cannot relate to this <laughs> film. That is why I do not like it. No, I didn't. I, I love the film fine <laughs> enough. It's not that I don't like it. Um, Zero to five. I can see the line. Other, <laughs> other negative. Uh, if the, to those who own the DVD, the menu for the DVD is fucking awful. I don't own the DVD. I own the Blu-ray. So what's up with the DVD? The DVD is like a stock footage, like the house. And it's like a clearly a stock like cutout photo of people on there and it's playing the most like midi generic like christmas song oh, over terrible. the menu it's like nothing from this is from the movie or anything <laughs> so there's that that's a negative i have on the movie it's dvd release Yay. well the blu-ray menu's fine in fact the blu-ray automatically just starts the fucking movie once you put the disc in and the only menu is like mm-hmm. the bonus feature menu after the fact um i i used to own the dvd i think it's a different dvd than the one you have because i don't remember that menu but it was always weird because the inside flap of the DVD showed a screenshot from a deleted scene in the film, and I don't know why they used that. Oh, really? Yeah, it was the scene of Clark talking to the guy who owns the Christmas tree lot, and there's a sign that says, Must bring your own saw. Oh. <laughs> and that's not yeah, in the movie. And funny. I've never seen that deleted scene anywhere, so I don't know like how they got the picture or why they fucking used it. It was what probably happened is probably part either either part of the press kit mm-hmm. back in the day or maybe at the you know just one of those available sh- scenes and stuff as part of like the marketing kit or just promotional images or something like that that they used. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have much else to talk about the film negative wise. Like I said, like there's just you know certain scenes that just don't you know they're fine, but for me it's just not something that yeah, I feel is super necessary in the film. But as Steve points out, thanks for Steve. He really likes the scenes. Obviously, a lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. So. Just one of those me things. So I guess, uh, is there any uh, final thoughts we want to have for uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Because another one of those films, like we talked about before, where this is a seminal classic, a you know, film everyone loves. Like, what can two schlubs on a you know, movie podcast have to say about right. it? Um, I just think, I think this is a perfect film. Um, I'm not saying Christmas film. I'm saying film. I think that I can, it's hard for me to think of many other films 
that accomplish so much that they set out to do as well as this movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say enough good things about this. There's nothing more that I can say about this. This is my favorite film of all time. And a lot of people assume that it's going to be a horror movie because I'm a horror director. But this this film does everything, in my opinion, obviously. Everything this film sets out to do, it accomplishes in spades. There's so Well, you like real horror. Family horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like <laughs> I like all the levels that there is. I like all of the fucking lines. I like there's something happening in almost every shot of the movie that is funny. And that's my favorite mm-hmm. way to do comedy. That's how I do comedy. You know, I, how many reviews have I gotten on Kara's Hell where they've said, like, I needed to rewind the movie to catch more jokes that I missed while laughing? That's, yeah, that's always nice when films That's do that. what I want in, in movies. That's why I make my movies like that. And that's what Christmas Vacation is in every scene. You know, fucking like, oh, look, the two grandpas are asleep and uh, the two mothers are trying to make a gingerbread house. That's just a scene. Oh, but it's funny because the one mother keeps on trying to wave the fucking smoke out of her fucking face and the other one's cranking up the volume because of their fucking snoring. It's, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't need to be there, but it's there. And every shot is like that, in my opinion. And there's also yeah. a lot of heart to it, which, as I've talked about during this Christmas podcast season, that matters most to me in a Christmas film is the heart the message of Christmas, um, the meaning of the holiday, stuff like that, and this movie also delivers that in such a beautiful way. I, I, I agree with that. I know I, I agree with that totally. And like I like I mentioned before, like I think it is a Christmas classic. It's something I can watch every year. It's just not necessarily, I guess, as a whole, on a level of uh, perfection that Steve says it is. Steve's clearly a hack. Doesn't know what the fuck he's I'm talking a hack about. Filmmaker. I like Batman v Superman, so don't watch my movies. Yeah. So if he if he liked that. I mean, clearly, Christmas Vacation sucks. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. So, uh, so star ratings on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. A, a perfect 5 out of 5, in my opinion. 5 out of 5 for Steve. I would give it a 4 out of 5. Fair. Very fair. So, again, that's my recommendation. Uh, I would say uh, it's something that I have no problem watching every year. Mm-hmm. Just as a whole, it's... Little, little, little lackluster in that regard. So if you want to send your hate mail <laughs> to me, uh, you can send it at moviefilmswithbillandsteve at gmail.com. You can also find our Facebook page where you can type up an angry post saying how I'm a fucking idiot at, you know, just look at moviefilmswithbillandsteve. You can find a contact page on our Tumblr, which is moviefilmswithbillandsteve.tumblr.com. It has a link to all of those. So beyond the Facebook, where there's also an iTunes where you can subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, and in your review, tell everyone how big of a fucking idiot I am because I had some negative things to say about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And then finally, you can find us on Stitcher on their website or on their mobile app where you can listen to the podcast on the go anytime you want. Ooh. It's fantastic. And I'm also on Twitter at LovableBill. And of course, you can check out my films uh, to see what kind of a hack I am. Uh, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms, KarisHell.com, or of course... Look at me, Warren Spandex, Facebook.com slash The Amazing Spider Steve. Awesome. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. I'm not a really big fan of Arnold's. She is, you know. Arnold really turns her on, and I just want to be there when it happens.